0: Hello, this is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh, Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I'm so excited you're here today listening to a podcast episode of mine. I love to share on all kinds of topics related to sexuality on my podcast. I like to read erotica, mine and others, and It's going to get hot. I talk about things on my podcast that are all related to sex. So sex toys, sex stories, tips, sex toy reviews, author interviews, and interviews of sexuality experts, people who have a lot of knowledge to impart and we can learn from. So that's a fun stuff. So I am so excited. You are all here listening to this podcast. I have a very special guest. I'm really excited to talk to her about her erotica writing, about her books. I've read a portion of her books and it's very, very intriguing. I couldn't put it down. It's very, very hot and just pulls you in and you're just like, I need more and more and more. What's going to happen next? I have an amazing excerpt for you to introduce you to the book, Chalet of Desire. And you will also be able to enter the drawing to win a free copy. All you have to do is fill out a short Google form for your chance to win a digital copy of Chalet of Desire. Discover Chalet of Desire by Hazel Porter About the novel, could you leave your life behind and become a body of desire? In the near future, reality shows offer a wide selection of themes, amazing opportunities and experiences. Chalet of Desire is a bondage show where the participants challenge themselves and each other daily as they explore kinks and all the intensity that the body has to offer. The advanced technology of the day ensures that they stay anonymous, which in turn adds to the mind trip. Alex has been an avid fan of the show. After a fruitless job hunt, he applies on a whim. But is he cut out to embrace anonymity, yet let the audience witness his most vulnerable side? Can he embrace being an object of lust? Can he submit to and dominate people he will never know, delving into the bottomless depths of arousal, pain, and pleasure? The story so far Alex has arrived for his interview for the reality bondage show Chalet of Desire. Taking public transport through London wearing a suit and contact lenses that make his body invisible to himself and disguises his identity from looks to his voice to those around him might have gotten him horny, but arriving at the undisclosed location and putting on the bondage gear he has selected has brought home what he is about to do. A sudden tug on the flogger nearly unbalances me. My, my, what have we here? A deep male voice says close to my ear. I didn't hear him enter, but then thinking back to the interviews I've watched, chances are my interviewers were already in the room, maybe even right next to me as I came to a stop and knelt down. He definitely knows how to ensure everything stays in place. A female voice comments dryly as I feel a tug on the dummy gag. Good thing we can remove a few things, or there would be little talking. I allow myself to squirm knowing it engages the audience. The little jerks from my cock are just as real as my surprised squeal when two fingers pinch my nose closed. Oh, he's definitely enjoying this, the man continues, and we don't need to ask him about it. His body is doing all the talking. The collar leaves me barely any wiggle room, making me oscillate back and forth as I try to dislodge her fingers and get some air. Oh, all right then. I can almost imagine her hout. We want to get some answers out of you, so let's not make you faint. She lets go, which I comment by moaning twice as means of a thank you. But she must have dropped her hand as a sharp pain from my nipples tells me she has caught the chain. But you give me so many options to play with you, she purrs. How about we play first and talk later? That is a little unusual. I ponder as I feel the man's hands on my shoulders. He carefully guides me forward until my forehead is resting on the padded floor as my mind races to the interviews I've watched. Normally, there is a short interaction of dominance, but then there is a chat. Even if the candidate was gagged or similar, This would be removed for the interview and then re-added later. My, you are inventive. I can feel him running his hands over my butt. His fingers find the tube of the sleeve's pump and tug on it gently. Can you feel that? I offer a soft moan and rock back a little towards his exploring hand. Not so fast, he laughs. Let's allow our audience to enjoy your inventiveness with us. At the corner of my mind, I register his approval, an encouragement to keep it up. As he pulls the hand pump out of the hollow plug, I recall how candidates who go with the flow are chosen. He pulls the flogger slowly out of me, causing my back to arch but another jolt of pain runs through my nipples. She is holding on to the chain. I moan into my gag, quickly pushing my chest towards the floor. You really have done an expert job. Unless you can get off from nipple torture, we could keep you on edge for quite a while. She gives them another tug as she continues. You have ensured we cannot reach your prostate for now and it would be a little too easy to give your cock attention. He'll erupt before we have a chance to really get going, the man says. I moan my agreement. Good thing you like the long torment, she says, as if picking up on some comment I made. Her nails rasp over my legs. It's as if the bodysuit has melted away. I could swear she is dragging her nails over my naked skin. Meanwhile, He is pumping the sheathed flogger in and out of the hollow plug. Each time it pushes past the end of the hollow plug, a shiver runs through my spine. She cups my chin and applies a metal object to the collar, which allows her to rearrange my wrist cuffs to the sides of my head. Then she helps me raise my shoulder, resting my torso on my elbows. Once her hands disappear, my wrists are once again immovably held in place. "'That's better. Let's show them some more of your face.' She removes the bonnet and sets about removing the blindfold. Soon I am staring down at the padded mat, which I know has a camera set into it. Before I can form the thought of engaging and giving the audience some reaction, the man has pushed a flogger back into my butt, and I moan and shiver in response. He twists and turns the flogger, and my eyes plead with the camera, as if that will speed up the process and get my cock involved. Oh, this is delicious! So, shall we begin your interview then? She is back, attaching a hand pump to the dummy gag. It deflates and falls out of the ring gag. Oh, you are thorough. I watch strands of saliva find the mat beneath me. The audience will be getting a full view into my mouth. My tongue snakes out to wet my dry lips. Here we go. She unbuckles the ring gag and helps me remove it. But I am moaning again thanks to the man still working my ass. Drink? She pushes a straw against my lips. I accept it and draw in a few mouthfuls. So, let's see how good you really are. Out of the corner of my eye, I see her sitting down cross-legged next to me. Are they really going to interview me whilst I am being dominated? Okay. Well, that's the end of the excerpt. I hope you enjoy that. This book is very intriguing, very interesting, and very intense. I hope you pick it up and I hope you sign up for your chance to win a copy of Chalet of Desire by Hazel Porter. We have a Google form that you can fill out And you will be able to receive the book digitally for free. The winner will win a free copy. So please find the link down in the podcast notes and you will be able to sign up to receive a copy of the book. You will be notified if you have won the contest and will be receiving the book via email. I want to thank Hazel Porter for joining me for this podcast and Ford Green to do this amazing giveaway of her amazing book. You can find it on Amazon. Hazel Porter, I'm so excited to meet you. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. I'm excited to hear your accent. I always love hearing accents. I know people say I have an accent. I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) Everyone has one. (laughs) I know, right? But we never think we have an accent. We're like, no, I just talk like myself, you know? (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that though. And I love talking to people around the world. I mean, how damn cool is that? That's just awesome. So excited excited that you wanted to do my podcast.
1: It's always beautiful to branch out and get to know people, hear other
0: people talk. Absolutely. Well, I have a question that I like to use as my icebreaker question. Okay. What is your favorite sexual position and I won't be mad if you tell me why. <laughs> well, I have a bit of an interesting
1: answer to that one, because I've been researching a bit around about how things function for me, and it looks like tending towards being demisexual, Okay. which more or less means for me, my favorite position, at least the start of what is just cuddling, having a deep chat, getting to know that person. And if the clothes go off at some point, fine. If not, we might just penetrate life and philosophy with our minds and tongue.
0: Very nice. That's a great answer. I love that. Very, very awesome. Well, I would like to introduce your writing to everybody. They've obviously heard the excerpt. And so you have Chalet of Desire out, and that is a BDSM topic. You have Bound for Bliss. Do you have any other things out there that you would like to mention? At the moment, those are the two ones within Erotica BDSM. I
1: have written a bit in other areas, but that's under my real name, not on the Hazel. But for BDSM at the moment, those are the two big ones that I've been writing.
0: And I saw on your Twitter that you're writing a sequel, right?
1: Yes, it looks like I
0: am. Those (laughs) characters just didn't let me go. I love that. (laughs) I love that. You're like seized, right? Yeah.
1: Just when you start thinking about the next one, that character said, you know, we could still do this and we could still go there. And oh, by the way, it's suddenly you're writing the next book. So, okay, you've caught me.
0: I love that.
1: So for your books are on Amazon. Are they anywhere else? At the moment, only Amazon, Kindle United. Uh, Unlimited, sorry, not United, Kindle Unlimited.
0: (laughs) Right. Which is nice because then people can like read some pages, correct? Exactly. Yep. Perfect. Get a, get a preview of that and decide if they want. I think it's about
1: 10% of the book or something you can read into. For anyone interested in Bound for Bliss, I've just released now the full series as one book. With other words, you could actually read at least the first part, if not even one and a half parts in the full book release that just came out.
0: Very nice. That's awesome. And that's on Amazon. Yes, exactly. On Amazon. Okay. And then on Twitter, you are at has. Underscore port, port. Underscore portrait. Okay. So, yep. And then you have a website, hazelporter at wordpress.com. Is that right? Exactly. Just a small awesome.
1: place where I also have the li- uh, link to the books.
0: Sure, sure. That's and I it. will add all those links down in the podcast notes, including links to the books, so that people can just like click right on through and get to them. Beautiful. Thank you. So, how did you decide to write erotica? Like, what was your trigger that was like, hey, I want to write about this?
1: Uh, more or less, the characters just choosing me and not letting go. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that feeling, but you're just browsing through ideas and suddenly one of those ideas strikes you and just doesn't let go and say, come on, you need to write me. This is what will happen here. This is what will happen here. And so I just have to get it on paper to get them out of my head.
0: Right. Yeah. Pretty much
1: what happens with me.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's really cool. It's like they have a life of their own. You know what I mean?
1: They do. And even at three o'clock at night, they're having an <laughs> <at> it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. What is your favorite part of the writing process?
1: Well, you might have already guessed that I'm more of a panther, i.e., the story develops as it goes when I'm writing it. And that's actually also what I really love about exploring the story and the characters as they evolve. Right. And then also later when I go into editing the whole thing that I start to rediscover little details, I didn't even realize were there or certain parallels or developments that I didn't realize when I was writing them. So when you go back, you suddenly say, Oh, I've been foreshadowing this 10, 10, chapters before. And you didn't even know about it. That's really fun to find that out.
0: That's awesome. Like you really know your characters, like you're pretty much character driven when you're, when you're seeing pants. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. That's awesome. I love that. And and if you know your real character really, really well, that's easy to do. I mean, it just kind of Mm -hmm. flows, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, in a way, I'm sometimes just having discussions with them and talking with them over a cup of tea, if you like. Sure. <laughs> and sure. just getting to know them, figuring out, we go, and hey, now if we do that, then that won't work. So it's really as if you're talking with an actor, in a way, just figuring things out.
0: Right, right. It's very cool. I love that. Do you have a favorite character, story, or book that you have created?
1: I think in every book, you have a favorite character, if you like. I mean... Like mm-hmm. in this book, I don't know if you've gotten that far yet, but we have one character in Charlotte of Desire called Darren. And hes I just love the way he trains, how he supports people, and but still shows his vulnerability. And that's even something I've found myself exploring more in the second part. We'll see how long it takes until that book comes out. But he's been very interesting over the, the chapters so and just the
0: development. So he's in the second book as well, Darren? yes. Okay. will stay in the cool. second book.
1: And like, in Bound for Bliss, I have one character who comes rather late in the series, but she really opened the series up and took me completely in a different direction and more depths that she then also offered me in, which is this character of Sarah, which I think only comes in part five, maybe? And She just okay. completely opened the whole thing up.
0: Oh, it's very interesting, very intriguing. I like to hear that kind of thing. And it's really, I don't know, it's just really cool and it's intriguing to hear that kind of thing. How long have you been writing? Were you one of those people that wrote as a child? In a way,
1: yes. It was more, well, I have a musical background, so I was also writing hmm. a lot within music, a of songs, little poems, things like that. Really writing long form, outside of erotica, I would guess about two decades now. I have one book published under my normal name. Okay. Also self-published. Within Erotica, I think I published the first part of Bound for Bliss towards the end of 2019, if I'm not mistaken. And I just rolled from there.
0: Sure. That's very cool. I like to ask this question of all writers and get different answers. I find find it very interesting. What was an early experience where you learned that language had power? We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions. Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets At manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped.
1: Hmm. There are various things. For one part, I grew up trilingual. English isn't my first language. It was actually a language I learned when I was three. And just being in a new culture, a new environment, and then experiencing this understanding or not understanding what the people around you are saying, I think in a way that really impacted me because you start to learn how to use words, even if you don't know your language that well, yet how can you communicate? Sure. And that's something that also, I think, infiltrated my language to the extent I work with kids in my real life and just using words to empower them especially if they're they're built up with ideas of I can't do this I can't do that and then actually using words or just twisting little words then to show them actually you can do this right so this that's really what you're also saying that the power of the language and also what's beneath that language
0: yeah just
1: tweaking a little word here or there
0: like also like inflection of voice yeah 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 reading between the lines
1: That's something I discovered. I actually hated doing oral exams until one teacher actually taught me to throw the examiner little balls or just little snippets of things you do know. And then just through that, actually, I still don't like doing it, but my oral exams were actually my forte most of the time because I learned how to guide the discussion or guide the questions they would ask. And that, again, is this inflection or these small details you would, well, hide in your answers.
0: Right. Right. I mean, and you know, you always hear that too, like someone sends you a text or an email, there's no inflection. So you can take it completely the wrong way. And that happens quite a bit. Yes, (laughs) it does. It does. Then you have to like, you have to take so many words to explain. Mm -hmm. I meant blah, blah, blah. But if you had said it, or 10 emoticons after it to ensure they
1: know it's a joke or whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's so interesting, isn't it? I find that very fascinating. Do you do any sort of research for your writing? Because I know you go right on on BDSM or any kind Hmm. of research for any of your writing. Well,
1: I certainly haven't done all I write about. So a lot of things is just getting deeper into details or even certain kinks, fetishes I write about. Mm -hmm. Fact-checking things or even if I've done a little of something, also just going to other people's experiences. So reading about reading blogs, reading in forums. Because I know I'm not the only one, and even if I have experiences, it won't be the only way you can experience something. And my characters shouldn't just be carbon copies of myself either. Oh, yeah! So, getting that full picture of how other people react to whatever it is I'm looking into, researching, or what my characters just told me about two minutes ago and say, so, Oh, really? I don't know anything about that. Do you really want to do that? <laughs> and then we'll. <laughs> Get out there research have a chat maybe do it maybe say okay we'll leave that for another half a year
0: <laughs> right 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 I think it's great also to, yeah, to talk to people like the, you know they're kind of like a consultant for you and I know mm-hmm. they always say write what you know but we can't do that like you said it's no. not going to be it's not a memoir it's not carbon copy of you not and in the you end know. you could
1: only write maybe one or two
0: books because at some
1: point that's all you have <laughs>
0: Right. And I kind of get annoyed when I hear that phrase, because I think about all these people that write fantasy and they're writing about worlds that don't yeah. exist. I'm like, that is, that's just not a good statement because it's not true.
1: <laughs> and if that were true, I would only be allowed to write about music and a couple of other things. But it's just, in a way, writing is also a way just to branch out and to explore. Yes. So why not do it? It's like taking, you're not taking the plane, you're taking a book to somewhere. Right. If you want to put it like
0: that. Yeah. I, yeah. Somebody told me recently that they're, oh, what did they say? They were an armchair explorer or something, and meaning that they like to sit down and explore the world through books. And I'm like, oh, I exactly, really, yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, and if, and if we did that, we wouldn't have all this imagination out there. We wouldn't have all these amazing books that we never, we wouldn't have things like Harry Potter. I mean, come on. Exactly. I was already thinking in that direction. If you're
1: only allowed to write about what you know, bit hard when you're talking about magic
0: <laughs> yeah that's way too limited and I think we just need to get rid of that statement I see that mm. in a lot of advice and I'm just like eh, no <laughs>
1: I mean in the end as you're the writer there always be something in there that you know about but it can't yes. be 100% of it
0: exactly yeah I, I think every especially every female character for me that I write there's a part of me in there and but then you also get the other side of things where people think that you've done everything you've written about and they think it's almost yeah. like a memoir. Does that happen to you I too? Mean,
1: <laughs> exactly. And even so, if you now think about Charlotte of Desire, I'm I'm writing from a man's perspective here. Yes. How can I know how he feels? Let's right. be honest. <laughs> right. And I was actually, when that idea first struck me, I was really thinking, so really me talk, writing from a man's perspective, I'm completely <laughs> bonkers now. And somehow it still worked.
0: <laughs> That's and awesome. I actually learned a
1: lot through the process as well.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, you can ask, you can find a man and ask questions too, you know? Exactly, yes. Yeah, I've never done that. I always have written as first person when I've done first person it has been a woman. So yeah, I was going to ask you about that, of how that is and how that worked for you. And did you find it? Yeah, you, you learned from it. Did you feel like you had more questions than you thought you were going to when you first started? I think in
1: the end, I had less questions than I expected to have in the beginning because uh-huh. just exploring things. And in the end, I won't say we're carbon copies, but emotions are emotions. Okay, everyone mm-hmm. reacts differently to the, an emotion. But then if I write in a woman's perspective, not every woman will react as I do. That's so true. So many things actually unravel themselves in the process of writing and then talking to a couple of guys, reading blogs, reading forums. And just getting into getting into their world, if you like, and yeah. exploring—does this work now? this one? Well, maybe we might not put a big focus on this aspect, but we could go into another aspect, and then suddenly it starts to balance each other out and discover things you didn't even think you would go towards.
0: Yeah, I can totally appreciate that answer. That's very interesting. And you know, basically, we're all human, so yes, it may exactly. be a different perspective, but we still have pretty similar emotions. Mm
1: -hmm, Exactly.
0: What would you call your definition of success as a writer and or author? Oh, that's one of those tricky questions, isn't it? It is. There's so many levels to that, I know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for me,
1: my main success is actually how I respond to it, because I always see myself as the first reader. And I know that sounds a bit egoistic because, hey, she should be the writer. She should be writing for her audience. But I know that if I write really right for myself, when I get turned on or if I'm touched, I'm the first reader. So the chances are high. My readers will also feel more. I've cried. I've come. And I hear similar stories and also from readers who talk to me. So in a way, I'm the sounding board and So my first stop is actually in success is, is this what I'm writing actually working for me? And then that then hopefully snowballs onto the people who actually read it. And that then hopefully then also shows the success that I am developing. Let's put it like that.
0: I love that answer. That's really insightful. And I think it's really true. That's great. I've never had anybody answer that question that way, but I think you're spot on
1: who knows, you might get other answers as well. So I wouldn't say one answer is better than the other anyway. Well, That's true. <laughs> it's always interesting to see what people come up
0: with. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I just love, love, love talking to other writers. It's just so much fun to me to see where people, how they get to where they end up and why they do in their process. It's just fascinating. I think it's just and fascinating. And I wouldn't be surprised
1: that you all then start to learn things for yourself as you go in your, into your own process as well.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, as, as writers, I'm always reading too. And I feel like everything Mm -hmm. I read does somehow slightly impact my writing in the future. And so that's, that's important as, as people are aspiring to do this, keep reading, read, 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 don't stop.
1: Reading, observing the people around you, Mm -hmm. anything and everything you can take along.
0: Yep. And even observing
1: yourself at times.
0: Uh, Sometimes it's very interesting
1: what you learn if you just look at yourself and say, oh, that's what I'm doing. Okay, let's move on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and nothing's too small. Nothing's too small. Of the no, definitely. To...
1: Sometimes the small things are really than the things that hit home. And then also later that people say, so wow, you went there. Wow, that was, that really brought me into the story where beforehand I wasn't too sure. And suddenly you take this little detail and it's like a magnifying glass, they just completely jump in.
0: Right. I do want to ask you a question. Okay. So I said it wrong before. I said chalet. You say chalet of desire.
1: I think chalet would also work. Okay. And the end, it's in the reader's mind, isn't it?
0: It is. Absolutely. <laughs> so you have a bit of like sci fi going on in that. Does that continue throughout the entire book or is that just like a little piece? In, in the whole, I've said
1: it a couple of decades into the future from now. So in that okay. respect, yes, that goes on. They just have a bit more technology that we don't have. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say yet because I don't know if I would, we would like to have that technology in our current day and age. Right. But it just offered me approaches I would otherwise not have had to develop the story.
0: Yeah. Yep. So a
1: couple of decades from now, give them a couple of gadgets so it's possible to do what they do. And it's also interesting because when you go further into the story, then you start seeing what these gadgets actually have as effects on the people or how it shapes then their lives as well, which is also interesting.
0: Oh, yeah. Very interesting. Absolutely. I can't wait to read more. (laughs) Describe (laughs) Describe a typical writing session for you.
1: Writing as getting the words actually on the paper or, well, in today's language, getting them into the computer yeah. Uh, that's more or less happens more or less in between the other work I do. So during short breaks or when I have a little time on the weekend or something like that. Well, one big exception there is Anarimo, the National Novel Writing Month, which the big one is in November. You have two smaller ones in April and July, I think, which I just use to really get words out. So then I will do more of writing. But the bulk of writing as in not actually getting words on paper is actually thinking about scenes about my characters. And that could be whilst walking the dog. That could be whilst I'm cooking dinner. That could be whilst I'm hoovering somewhere. It's just spinning those ideas, letting scenes develop in 10, 20 ways until the right thing crystallizes. And then when I sit down and write, then it's more or less just getting the words out.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like that too. Like your brain is kind of always, when you're writing a book, your brain is always, the part of your brain is always kind of on it.
1: Yep. Even if you don't want it to. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes wonder if I need a dog whistle to get my ba- brain back from wherever it is. Hey, that's part <laughs> of the
0: control, <job>, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. I've woken up in the morning before where I'm like... <gasps> And I like have all these ideas and i like run to a notebook and write it down before I forget it. <laughs> or even if you dream apart, I come. So hang on. What was that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got to write it down right away and oh, you're going to lose mm-hmm. it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just how dreams work. And then write it
1: legibly. That's the other problem.
0: Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> That's
1: true. I've had notes where I really think so. Even a language
0: I know. <laughs> I've done that too. I write so fast, I'm like, what the heck mm. is that word? <laughs> or you use a shorthand which you don't
1: even understand two minutes later. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> that's so always fun just, in it, isn't
0: it? It really is. <laughs> mm. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but do you tend to develop your characters first or your plots, or do you kind of develop the characters with an idea of the plot, or is it strictly just Characters and then goes from there.
1: In many cases, occasions it's just a scene or an image that starts the whole thing. Just taking, shall I have desire here? I actually started with a weird idea of the seven dwarfs of Snow White. What if they were actually kinky? So you've got Grumpy, i.e. the man who's not allowed to do anything. You've got Happy, yeah, he's gonna get off tonight. And this sort of idea then started grow on me, change 10 times. And then all of a sudden I've got seven participants. Oh yeah, I also need women. Okay, I've got 14 now. And as that whole thing then stretches out, suddenly i with the main character on his journey towards the interview, which is actually the first chapter. Yes. So it's just this whole silly idea. Suddenly it starts to morph and then suddenly I'm in, in the story. And that is tends to be what happens.
0: Yeah, I felt like in, I've only read the first two chapters, but there's just, you, mm-hmm. build, you do a really good job of building intrigue or people are just like, what is this? And what is going <laughs> to happen? What is this all about? You know, just like give pieces slowly like breadcrumbs along the way. <laughs> I think that's also something I like in other people's
1: writing that they don't start off with two pages of just, well, the rolling hills here and the window there, so take me right into the action and then bit by yeah. bit, tell me where the hills, where the window is. That's yep, yep. for me much more intriguing, if you like.
0: Right, and not that you're not going to have backstory, but it's more embedded in the exactly. story than just like a big chunk right at the beginning.
1: It can be beautiful if well done, but I was one. I still remember having to read certain books for school where I fell asleep every ten pages because there was just <laughs> nature, 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 nature. Oh, he said two lines, another two pages of nature, and I just fell asleep.
0: Yeah, yeah. You need to grip that reader, and that's a Mm. good way to do it. Absolutely. So do you do you focus on any sort of BDSM acts, or is it just kind of like all over the place?
1: I think I try to keep it a broad spectrum. One, I'm curious about many things, and for me, it's not really the act itself, but more the trust that goes with it, the togetherness. And I think that's Uh what I'm looking for in the various kinks, categories, and also, I know I said before that I'm mostly writing for myself, but if I take one step further and I I think about the readers, if I would only focus on one thing, either I'm done after 20 pages, because how many times can you write about the same kink, the same fetish? And also, I think you would also lose many readers within a couple of pages if they're just not interested into it. And if they just feel, well, it's only one scene, let's just explore it together. Oh, now they're doing something different. Right. And even in Chalet, there is one place where actually main character Alex also says, well, I'm not interested in this. I'm going somewhere else. And I think that's also what I do. Yeah. If something doesn't grab me, I'll go to something else and just explore this a bit. It's not that I'm saying this isn't good. It's Mm -hmm. just it's not my kink or it's not something I want to follow this deep into it. So sure. I'd rather stay on the surface and explore the various options out there.
0: Yeah. And I think that we, are, as people are more complex like that too. We don't just have yeah. one, you know, I mean, that would be silly. And I can't even imagine that.
1: <laughs> it would be pretty boring after a while.
0: It would, it would really limit you too, you know, cause I see a lot of people who write, they might write on just a specific theme but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they're not going to pull in other things into that. Uh, you know, that can be underlying above that main topic. Yeah. Makes it more real. But People are more complex than just one or two things. We have many, many, many layers.
1: Definitely. And the beautiful thing is also when you move on to something else and learn more there and then maybe move on to three other things, when you come back to the first thing, you've actually learned so much that this first element, this first kink, whatever it is, also grows on you again so you yeah. get some sort of kind of spiraling motion because of that
0: yeah oh absolutely absolutely I uh, it's just very interesting to explore all of that and things you've never done that you may be curious about not that you end up having to do that but I mm-hmm. think it's. I'm great- glad I'm not
1: doing everything that my <laughs> characters are doing I'll say
0: that oh I know I know <laughs> certain things I could not handle that I do know
1: <laughs> for me the same yeah. I mean, Alex, the main character, he goes into some things where I think, "So whoa, there." Okay, if you're going there, you're going alone,
0: because <laughs> yeah. I'm not following. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can totally understand that statement. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, what are your short-term and long-term goals for your writing? Cool.
1: that's another one of those questions, isn't it? <laughs>
0: It's kind of hard. Like you said, you're, you're kind of more character driven. So maybe you don't know yeah. yet. <laughs> I mean, for me,
1: the easy thing for me is writing isn't my main income. It's more something I do on the side and enjoy for myself and the readers who come along for the ride. Yay. But I think my first goal was just to try and get the backlog out of my head, which I probably will never happen. as much as I can try there's always a new idea popping up in the back of my mind I get it but it's just growing as a writer and hopefully the readers will grow with me and outside of erotica I'm also seeing if I can get to a traditional publisher a route I won't be taking with erotica at least not now Mm-hmm. But it's just really that growing as a writer, growing as a as a human as well, because the better I get as a writer, hopefully the better I'll also be as a human. Yes. So it all belongs together for me.
0: Oh, absolutely. I can completely understand that perspective. I, I agree completely. What's one thing you wish you had known that you know now when you began first began writing erotica?
1: I tell myself not to be such a perfectionist. Because with self-publishing, you can actually correct your published works. If you find a typo, if you find something that doesn't work yeah, and just basically get that work out there and stop worrying and second guessing yourself with everything you're doing. Because, of course, it's not only about the writing. It's about the editing. It's about I also do the typesetting and everything. I have a bit of a graphics background, so I can do these things. But it's just really getting into it, learning in the process and not thinking, well, that's not good enough. I'll wait another three months. So really just get out there, do it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And many authors I've interviewed also say the same thing. You've just got to do it. I mean, there's never going to be a perfect time. So the perfect time is now. Exactly. And
1: also stand to your mistakes or stand to your growth. Just Mm -hmm. know, okay, that didn't work. How can I improve it and go from there?
0: Exactly. It's all a learning process. Absolutely. And every review I think that we get and any feedback also helps us grow. Exactly. What's the biggest surprise you've had in the last few months?
1: Mm, Well, I was surprised that Chalet actually took off how it did beforehand with Bound to Bliss. Okay, that was more shorter novellas, Mm. a series of novellas. They sort of trickled along happily in their own rate. And with Chalet, I think the first month, it just was a steady flow. I think so. Well, what's happening here? So that was really a surprise for me because at first I thought, well, Chalet is more niche than the other one. Mm, And it really surprised me how it took off and just the response I got as well.
0: That's awesome. And now you're doing a sequel. So that's perfect. The people that liked that. Mm Mm-hmm can now get And it's not a huge chunk of time. I mean, you know, depending on when you get it done, but if they know it's coming, you know, you're Mm -hmm. already, you're already posting about that. So that's, that's the way to do it. You know, absolutely.
1: I'm not putting any dates on it yet because as I also write on the side, I can't yet say if it's one month, two months, four months, but it's just a steady trickle of working on it. And when it's ready, it will be ready.
0: Exactly. And they know it's coming. So mm-hmm, yeah, that's the biggest part is that they know that. Because I know a lot of people will like put when they publish a book, book one. So that, you know, right off the bat, people know, oh, mm-hmm. there's going to be more of this. So they keep an Only- eye out for it.
1: I didn't even know there would be a second book until I actually sat down to write another one. So nope, Um, I'm going to (laughs) continue on this one. Okay, Uh, push it to the side. I'll write that one next year. Um, And well, now about three quarters of a way through. We'll see where it lands.
0: I love the time we're living in. Like Never before in the entire history of the world and entire history of literature, have we been able to do this as writers and get mm-hmm. our stuff out there? I mean, that's really huge when you think about that. That's really mind blowing. Definitely, going right, the traditional
1: legend. route that would be. I think many more would give up even before they started.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the benefits of that is, they pay for you know a lot of it, and they help publicize it. Yes, yes. But, but you also me, lose.
1: Mm-hmm. And for me, it's also what I also said before. I'm allowed to make mistakes because I'm mm-hmm. still correcting them as I go. If it's traditionally published, that mistake is out there for Yeah, 10 years, 20 years. However, however long the book lives, it's actually out there.
0: Yep, that's true. Absolutely. And also, you may not have as much of a say in the final product. That too, yes. Because you have more than often you have more than one editor going through it and saying, hey, you need to change this, you know, and. So there are total benefits to doing self-publishing. Definitely,
1: I mean, at times I would have would like to have an editor or someone, even the critique part, and to sometimes just bounce ideas. So, so does this work? Does it? Does it not work? Is it actually understandable what I'm doing here? So sometimes you do feel a little bit more alone, but it also pushes you to actually then be more active, be more versatile as a writer as well.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. What genres do you tend to like to read?
1: Well, aside from erotica, (laughs) (laughs) quite a bit of of historical fiction. I just love to dive into previous times. And it doesn't necessarily have to be then word perfect, the history of that time, but just get into the mindset of the people of that time. So Mm. how were peasants within the Middle Ages, things like that. On the other side, fantasy, science fiction. You spoke of Harry Potter, which I was very strongly into for quite a few years. Still am, in a way. The books are behind me. Right. In the end, it's really anything that I can get my teeth into and that really can get me thinking as well. So that's also why within my erotica, I really dive into the characters and, intri- and the intricate plots. Because for me, a steamy scene is great. But give me some backstory. And you really got me hooked then. Yeah.
0: Do you feel that there is a difference in readers like from, say, the United States versus your country? Like, are they one group of people more into BDSM than the other?
1: Um, with Bound for Bliss, I actually translated those books also because I'm in a country that doesn't speak English. And it mm-hmm. was interesting to see that there was in many periods, a bigger surge of readers coming from here than actually from the English-speaking countries. However, if I would actually be face-to-face with the people, I've got the feeling that the English would be more open to what I'm writing about. So it's hard to say, really.
0: Yeah, that's been my experience, too, that they're more open to that, or they're just more into it. It's more of a thing there than it happens to be in my country, although there are people that definitely are into it in my country. I think it's more
1: closeted here in a way it's behind behind the doors don't look what I'm reading
0: right being open
1: and open about it actually talking about it that's more I think in English culture I might be wrong but I think you're right I'm catching it
0: yeah that's been my experience too yeah how do you tend to advertise your works because obviously Amazon will not let us Pay for advertisements for erotica like they will for other books.
1: Yeah, sadly. Uh, At the moment, I mainly work through social media. So, mainly Twitter for me and Mm -hmm. word of mouth. I think those are the two big ones that I actually use because everything I hear about from Amazon, from Facebook, and other places, many people just say they're pumping more money in that they get out of it. I'm trying to go more the word of mouth route and then within social media and for
0: now it's working. Oh yeah. One thing I like to mention to people is there's something called book sirens where Mm -hmm. you can put your book on there and will, they will, especially when your book is new, they really like new books. I mean, they'll they'll do any books, but they'll put it in their database and they have a whole list of book bloggers and then they can choose to read your book. So you put, you give your book to them for free and Mm -hmm. they can download it. And it's, the one I have right now is only two dollars, so anytime anybody they share the link with to my book, I pay two dollars for it. But if I share the link, I don't pay anything. so mm-hmm. that might be That's something you way. yeah, so you might want to look into book sirens. I really like book sirens I, I don't have a it, look. yeah and they they do take erotica, so that is the nice part about them they they don't shun erotica. Process. Yeah, I know, right? I tried to Definitely. sneak an ad through in, in Amazon. <laughs> nope, they catch it. <laughs> I think they would. <laughs> yeah, they do. I know. I just always bugs me. Like, okay, people that have like you know things about murder and stuff, and we're writing about sex, and we can't advertise, but they can advertise about murder. Yeah, doesn't make any sense at all.
1: <laughs> but you see, it's on,
0: well in all the areas really. As soon as the yeah. word sex comes up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good luck. Exactly. And I don't I don't get why that is. That's a natural thing. And murder's not. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any authors that you admire that you'd like to mention? Ooh, that's always a tricky one. It is. Uh, it's hard to decide. I have a hard time answering this one myself.
1: Um uh, I think one where I've enjoyed quite a few few of their pieces. They do more shorts, as far as I know, is Rose Caraway. Okay. Emmanuel de-, de Passant as well. Ian e. Scarlett, she's on Liter- oh, Literaturist yes. as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I know some, her. some very good things. Jade A. Water as well. Okay. And it's not strictly an author, but the writer of Pleasure Torture. Mm. He also got some very good ideas for me that just and it's not that I actually use them, but they just they subliminally then go into, I'd say, yeah, if you could do that, maybe. And then You start thinking along those ways as well.
0: Sure. Always good to have your favorites. And they they tend to inspire, I think, to me, they inspire me a little bit more. Maybe just because I read them more.
1: (laughs) Well, in a way, you also just find those that also resonate. And then that then helps you to also expand your horizons, build a bit on how they approach things. And then, well, maybe I'll do that. Or maybe... You want to do it differently, but somehow just having read that, you find then a different way, which you wouldn't have thought of before.
0: That's so true. Yeah, it just kind of uh, brings our brain in different ways that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise gone to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Name one to three people who have influenced you the most with regards to your writing.
1: One to three. That's going to be hard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would more think of
1: groups of people because... Uh. I've already mentioned that I grew up trilingual, tri- tri- so mm-hmm. learning languages in my youth, and also developed mild dyslexia And just those teachers who actually didn't harp on my mistakes, but encouraged me to keep going, yes. both language teachers as also non-language teachers. That's worth so much. Oh, yeah. If they just forget that there was a mistake, maybe a small correction, but just go on, try again, keep going. That's been really well they weight in gold if you like. Yes. On the other hand many of my music teachers or just my musical training has also really taught me the endurance and honing a skill and just keep going and repeat and do it again but also learning how to bring senses across and emotions across because music being a non-verbal way of communicating I think that also slipped into my writing in a way that even though you're using words you're still using these subliminal emotional yeah triggers if you like
0: right can I ask what you play I'm a flautist oh nice that's very cool you know I have of all the writers I talk to almost everybody ends up mentioning a teacher which I think is just kudos yeah. to teachers. And how amazing is that, that they are influencing us. And it just shows also
1: how much power a teacher has, if yes. used correctly.
0: Yeah. Huge. Absolutely huge. And you know, what? hear people say, oh, my parents support me. But, you know, it's always the teachers who have done something to inspire or yeah. instill something in that person that's just a a, a click or a switch or a trigger. That gets them to want to write again in the future. And I Mm -hmm. think that's just huge.
1: And um, your parents can also be teachers and sometimes even a stranger on the street can be your teacher. But Mm -hmm. it's, of course, those where you have a name and a face attached to them, they're the most likely you'll think back to.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's so true. Absolutely. Those are the things that stick in your head. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So what advice, and we've talked a little bit about advice, what other advice, if you have any, would you give to people who are considering starting writing erotica?
1: Really run with whatever idea you have and just, I wouldn't even encourage people not to look at what publishers or other authors are saying that they should or should not do because... If you're really true to yourself as an author as a writer as an artist mm-hmm. it has to be you that comes through not a carbon copy of whoever you're listening to admiring or whatever just if if your piece is only 15,000 words long then it's that and it right. shouldn't be buffed up to 40,000 or if someone says well that doesn't sell has it actually been tried yet
0: exactly so just run
1: with whatever is true to you
0: I like that a lot Absolutely. And, you know, the other the other quote that always drives me crazy that I hear out in the writing world is every story has been told. I think that's bullshit. Um, The structure
1: might have been used, but the words you're using, the experience you're using, the emotions behind it were unique. So unless you're quoting full pages of another story, it will be different.
0: Yeah, we each have our own voice because we're all unique mm. individuals. So I always think, okay, maybe on the over the top, you can say that, but you can't say that when you really get into the meat of the story, because we all have our own voices. We're all unique people.
1: Yeah. And otherwise, why would we still be writing books?
0: Right. And why would people be buying them? And they wouldn't be. They'd yeah. be like, oh, I already heard that before. I don't want to hear that again. It, it's, that's, mm-hmm. not, that's not how it works. <laughs>
1: Definitely. Not. And even if you look at the films and all their remakes now, they're still being remade and the people are still yeah. watching them, even if they know that story from 20 years ago.
0: Isn't that the truth? Because it's a different slant. It's a different character. It's a different person, yeah. a different inflection. The director has a slightly different take or maybe focuses or they on they have. More. They have
1: tools now they couldn't use 20 years ago, so they mm-hmm. can actually go into details or angles that weren't possible before. So true. And maybe we could even say that within the writing world, because now that we have, I don't know, mobile phones, which we didn't have 20 years ago, a Cinderella story can be completely different just with a cell phone in our hands.
0: Right. And we have the huge ability to research now with the internet that years ago people did not have. Right, And censorship, because you're only going to get what's in libraries. Now we can get whatever, you know, the range is just unlimited with the Mm, internet. yeah. Yeah. So again, we're lucky living in this age as writers. That's all I got to (laughs) say. Definitely, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in closing here, are there any other things you would like to add or goals you'd like to share or just anything else you'd like to say?
1: The only thing I would like to say, and I think that's something you will also agree with is whatever you read, leave reviews for the authors and also for the next readers. Yes. Because... I know you, 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 you close that book. It says, well, that's done. You might be even still drifting in the after effects of what you've read, but help the next reader or even help the author find their books or find how they can improve their work. And it might even be just five words.
0: Yes, absolutely. And you want it to be honest. Like of course we're going to get trolls Mm. out there who just want to say nasty stuff, but.
1: For me, it's also when I leave a review, I might talk about things that I didn't like, but I try to formulate it in a way, for one, that someone who might actually like those aspects that can say, oh, well, she didn't like it, but that's something I really love. Hey, that's a plus for them. And if the author's reading, who knows, maybe it might give them a new idea.
0: Oh, absolutely. So that
1: honesty is worth a lot.
0: It is and respect. I mean, yeah. you know, you're going to get people that are just going to say nasty things, unfortunately. And but you just got to let those right, go. their right, of
1: course. It is, <laughs>
0: and it's
1: our job as the author then to grow a bit of a thicker skin and yes.
0: move on. Exactly, but yes, they are so valuable in so many ways. Mm-hmm. If you read, even if it's one sentence, yes, even if it's just a rating, do something yeah. because. And it can take a very short amount of time, you know, I mean, one sentence, how long does it take at type? It doesn't take long at all.
1: Really? Well, if you're an author, it can take quite a long time. Yeah, that's you. true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're a little bit more uh, hyper about that. <laughs> and sometimes you need half an hour for three words. <laughs> I know, right? I know. And then you, you, you want to make sure that we're understood properly and that it's the mm, right yeah. thing to say in the right word. <laughs> Do you still write poetry, by the way, or is that something you just did a long time ago? Uh,
1: Barely. I think it was more of a child thing. Also, when I was still exploring how the language worked, I was writing in. Sure. It's been a while. Within one or two books, I have written kind of song lyrics once or twice, Mm. but not within an
0: I'm not
1: sure I would be cut out for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a challenge. I'm writing poetry itself as a challenge. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for talking with me. I really enjoyed our talk and I can't wait to finish your book and I will be leaving a review. <laughs> oh,
1: thank you. <laughs> it was really a pleasure also to talk with you. Thank you really for having fun. me. Definitely. Yes. Uh, yeah. Enjoy the book. I don't, well, I hope it doesn't keep you up all night.
0: <laughs> As some books do. I know, but that's never a bad thing. I can catch up on sleep later, right? <laughs> yeah if you have that
1: luck that's good
0: I know right if you have a dog
1: that has to go out at seven in the morning maybe
0: not so good yeah exactly <laughs> well, yeah to get up to let him out I know I have dogs too so <laughs> mm-hmm. I will put all of the links to all of her books and all of her links that you can connect with her on down in the podcast notes so you can find that and Enter the drawing to win a free copy. All you have to do is fill out a short Google form for your chance to win a digital copy of Chalet of Desire. So thank you so much Hazel. Thank you as well room. Well thank you. You have a good day. You too. Okay, Take care. bye-bye. Yep, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.